Welcome to the ECT podcast series, engaging with the researchers working on the long-term field experiments in ECT's national network. Good afternoon. I'm here at the Newborough Dunes National Nature Reserve on Anglesey in North Wales with Dr Lawrence Jones, the principal investigator for the experiment based here. Lawrence works at the UK Centre for Ecology and Hydrology based in Bangor, just across the water from here. Good afternoon to you, Lawrence. Good afternoon, Ben. Thank you very much for hosting me here on what is now a warm afternoon. Uh, first of all, Lawrence, th this is a very special habitat in a UK context, isn't it, with rare species, for example? It is. So Newborough is one of the big flagship sand dune sites in Wales. Yeah, it's a big site, two kilometres wide, and it's got all five dune slack habitats and most of the dry dune grassland habitats. There's rare species on the site, so some of these are invertebrates, sand mining bee, it's got rare plants and liverworts. There's a tiny liverwort called petalwort, which is one or two millimetres. The thalli are really small, and that only occurs on about 11 sites in the whole of the UK. And Newbra's got a healthy population of that. Fascinating. And moving on to the experiment here, the, the nutrient addition and grazing experiment, can you give us a bit more history and background to the research on these plots here? So. The experiment was set up in 2003, so it's 17 years old. The context behind the experiment is that there were no nitrogen experiments on sand dunes in the UK at the time. There was only one in the Netherlands, so this whole habitat, the nitrogen impacts on this habitat have been understudied. There were very few nitrogen management interaction experiments. So lots of studies had put nitrogen on but didn't look at how management can help mitigate those impacts. And then the third aspect is that generally when people put nitrogen addition experiments, they use really high loads, very high doses of nitrogen. So when we set this up, we wanted to tackle all three of those issues. So we used grazing because the site is managed by grazers, uh, ponies and cattle. So there's an interaction. So there's grazing plots, nitrogen plots nested within that. And also very realistic doses of nitrogen. So no really high doses. The background deposition at this site is around 10 kilos per hectare per year. And we just added an extra 15 on top of that as the high nitrogen and an extra 7.5 as the, the low nitrogen addition. So trying to keep it as realistic as possible and studying nitrogen grazing interactions in this really interesting habitat. And what have you found? What have been the impacts? So first on science and then, for example, in policy terms for the land owner, Natural Resources Wales. In terms of the science, it's interesting. So the first five years were quite intensive measurements every year. And we actually found very little change in the botanical composition. So doing analysis of the soils and different uh, growth experiments afterwards, we find that the site is nitrogen and phosphorus co-limited. So if you add lots of nitrogen, the phosphorus limitation kicks in and the plants don't change composition. If you add nitrogen and phosphorus, there's another nutrient limitation kicks in. So there's no major changes in composition, but the nitrogen is still being stored in the system. 
So when you analyse the, the tissue nitrogen content of the mosses and the, the higher plants, you find that in the high nitrogen plots, those total nitrogen loads or the total nitrogen stocks in the vegetation are going up. So that's, that's a nitrogen time bomb. That nitrogen is not going anywhere. It's still stored in the system. So it's slowly going to build up in the soils and then suddenly it might be slight change in climate, allowing other species to come in. Things will change. It just takes time. And how might an end user like NRW use this science, or anybody else interested in this science? At a national and international level, the results from this experiment have fed into designing the critical loads, the damage thresholds for nitrogen for sand dune habitats. So those have been revisited two or three times now, and actually they're being revised again. Currently there's a process going on to do that, and that feeds in new evidence. But each time the, the results from this experiment have fed in as extra evidence about at what level of nitrogen deposition do you start to see adverse impacts. And the interaction with grazing is really important as well because that helps site managers understand, yes, if you have grazers on the site, then you can mitigate some of the adverse effects of nitrogen, where you get taller grass growth, faster growth of the more competitive species. Grazing can help knock that back. It doesn't actually remove much nitrogen from the system because the grazers are on site, it's more or less a closed system. So the nitrogen is still there, but the habitat suitability has improved. So it, grazing helps mitigate some of the effects, but not all of them. And as to where this experiment is after 17 years now, am I right in saying that the nitrogen addition treatment ceased, but the grazing exclusion very much continues? That's right. So the nitrogen treatment stopped in 2011, so we've had eight years of nitrogen treatments. So there's now the opportunity to look at recovery from nitrogen, from this historical addition now. But the grazing, the fences are maintained, the grazing carries on. So there's three grazing treatments, large livestock on site, ponies and cattle, and there's large populations of rabbits as well. So the grazing fences are designed to firstly exclude the large stock and then secondly exclude the rabbits and the large stock. And then the third element is just the fully grazed control with no fences. And what do you envisage over the next two, three, four years for this experiment? Anything in particular? We're hoping to get some funding to look at the nitrogen recovery side of this. So there's a series of projects that were originally funded by DEFRA. I think there was nine experiments in total across different habitats across different parts of the UK. The UCREATE project. The UCREATE yes. consortium, that's right, that's exactly right. So we're hoping to get some funding to revisit all of those. So they've all got nitrogen additions, they've all got nitrogen recovery. And there's been different timescales since the treatment ceased across those experiments. So we're, we're hoping that we can, hopefully next year, we can go back and revisit all of those. And this would be part of that mix. Uh, would you welcome wider collaboration with the UK's ecological community? Certainly would. There's lots of opportunity here, partly to look at the nitrogen effects on soil processes and vegetation, but also the grazing. The longer a grazing experiment runs, the, the more interesting the results. So as we've been looking at the, the plots today, we've seen scrub spreading in some of them and rubus uh, Rubus spreading in some of those, so stone bramble. So in those, the longer the, the grazing is, is kept off, the, the more interesting and the more divergent the plots become. 
And that's the perfect introduction to my final question, which is centred on, on your view about the intrinsic wider value of long-term ecological field experiments more generally, not just Nubra, but nationally. As you know, there are several in the ECT's register. What's your take? I think there's always a challenge in keeping experiments running, but you learn so much more over time. So some of the effects that you start to kind of pick up in longer running experiments, the, the sort of interactions with climate, changing climate, increasing frequency of extreme events like droughts or heavy rainfall. So in dunes, there's a suggestion that actually um, ragwort is becoming more common, more widespread. I mean, it's, an, it's a natural species in dunes anyway, and it's great to see the, the flowers because they support cinnabar moth. But it's, it seems to be becoming more widespread, and one of the theories behind that is that winter temperatures aren't dropping low enough to kill off some of the growing rosettes. So there's, there's sort of long-term implications of looking at changes in weather patterns and climate, and it's only by looking at those that you start to get a feeling for change over time, and that's, that's how these experiments are really valuable. So with the changes we're facing, environmentally speaking, you see only an increasing need for long-term study? Absolutely. And the combination of long-term study plus experimental manipulation, so the long-term change, climate times nitrogen. You can get quite big differences in responses in some experiments for nitrogen impacts from one year to the next. And teasing that out, teasing the climate signal out from that takes time. So absolutely valuable. Thank you very much, Lawrence, and thanks again for hosting me here at New Sands. It's a pleasure.